him for food to eat. Because it is God who gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And the Bible says that children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Amen. The scripture presents a house and then tells us about the home and tells us about the constituents of the home and mentions parents and then talks about children. And it is very, very important for us to realize that the first institution God established on the earth was not the church, but it was the family. Hallelujah. The first institution was not the church, it was the family. Because the family will populate the church. So he starts off with the family. The family also will populate society. Whatever the state of the home, that will be the state of the nation. Everyone ruling us came from a house. If the house is not a home, we're going to have a terrible leader. Because there's a difference between a home and a house. A house is the bricks that have been put together depending on the structure you want to be constructed for you by the architect that you hired and the builders that came to build. But the home is an atmosphere you create. A home is not automatic. A home is intentionally created. A home is an atmosphere. That is why you are, whenever you go to any place, you are told to feel at home, not at house. Because the place where you will go may not have the same architectural design as where you, you say is your home or your house. But wherever you get to, you are told to feel at home because the atmosphere is what is being created. And if there's going to be life to our society and even to ourselves as parents, it is the kind of atmosphere we create, the kind of home that we create. Every home, every structure you see where people dwell in there, it is either a toxic home or a loving home. It is either a satanic inspired home or a godly influenced home. And you must intentionally construct and build an atmosphere of a loving and godly home because it will make a world of difference in our world. Hallelujah. Everybody came from a place, a home. But what kind of home it is? This morning, the word of God teaches us that we can create that atmosphere. A home, a good home is an atmosphere that you intentionally create. Because you can live in Buckingham Palace and it will still not be a home. It will not be a very good home. It will not be a lovely home and it will not be a godly home. So it is not so much about the architecture and the structure. It is about the atmosphere that the people who are the leaders in the home create in the home. The children can't create anything until they see what you do. And so we have to, a responsibility that the scripture says that the children are a gift from God. And that they are a reward from him. And the Bible says they are like arrows in the hands of a hunter. 
So in order to create such a home, we need parents. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us that parents, therefore, are the bow. And the children are the arrows. That's why our children's ministry are called arrows of destiny. Hallelujah. The children are the arrows. The parents are the bow. Amen. And so you take them in and the, and the home, therefore, is the atmosphere where you pull the child. You see, if you have a bow and an arrow, the arrow is put inside the bow. And you have to pull it back. You have to be disciplined. You have to discipline it and then fire. So if you are targeting a particular target at the end, assume it is the clock at the end, you have to aim it and fire. Now, for you to really aim properly, you need to really train your hand. You have to pull back, and that is discipline. You have to pull back very strongly, depending on how far you want the arrow to go. If you want the arrow to just fall here, then you can just do something little, and it will just fall. But if you want it to go very far, and you want it to be very straight, and you want it to be very firm, and you want it to really hit target, you need to pull it back. Sometimes the arrow will want to go anywhere it likes, but you are training it in a particular direction and firing it. And so the home is the environment and the parents are the bows. And the child is the arrow that you take and intentionally discipline, pull back and fire to hit the medical target, to hit the legal target, to hit the academic target, to hit the moral target, to hit the target you want them to become in life. And I tell you by the word of the Lord that the scripture says that one of the people that will benefit is not only society, it's not only the child, but it is you that fired the arrow. Because in normal hunting, when you fire the arrow and aim at a game, you have to walk a distance to go and catch the game. If the game is so close, you won't fire that way. But if it's that way, you have to take some time to walk. And by the time you get there, it has really caught a good game for you. In other words, by the time you are hitting retirement, that arrow you fired directly to the future you wanted them to be, they would have caught a good game for you. So when you get there in the future, you are not struggling. When you get there in the future, your retirement is not with confusion and pain. That's why he says, and they shall cause you to speak. They will answer your enemies at the gate. They will answer your enemies at the gates. When you get there, they will answer your enemies who want to make mockery of you because you have trained them well and they have what it takes to stay and support you in your moment of need. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to take care of our children very well so that when we get there, they will be there for us. Praise God. See, in the past few days, I've had to deal with a lot of things regarding my mother's health and though last Sunday I was preaching and teaching you and you were all enjoying it at the same minute she was fighting for her life and at the same time I realized that a lot of responsibility was on my shoulders even though I have other siblings who are older than me and I'm the last one but the pressure of leadership seems to have shifted to the last one and Despite all of this, there were a lot of lessons to learn. That if you have a parent, celebrate them now. Love them now. Care for them now. And you too care for yours. Because every minute of the way, as I was looking at her, I was remembering the time she has been there for me. 
And I was determined to do anything within my power to keep her alive by the help of God. Hallelujah. Until God decides otherwise. But that is anything within my power. And because I was recollecting the moment she has been there. You know, and life can be like that. I remember I have to organize a lot of, you know, stuff for her maintenance and, and, and well-being. You know, including, you know, pampers and stuff like that. And I told myself, when I was a child, she was organizing that for me. Now it's my turn to organize that. Have you seen what we are talking about? So when we don't create that home, we will not have a future as parents. May God help us in the name of Jesus. So the home is a training center. The scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 22 and the verse number 6. Proverbs 22 verse 6. It says, direct your children or train up a child. In the way that they should go. In the right way. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. The Bible says train or direct the child in the way that they go. And when they grow older, they will not depart from what you instructed them on. And the Bible says that just as the rule, the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Amen. I'll come on that later on. But the scripture tells us that in, in order to create this home, the parents must train the child. The child must be trained. So in other words, God leaves the responsibility of training the child to the hands of the parent. It means that every parent is a vice chancellor of a university, a senior lecturer or principal. Your home is an educational center. And it depends on what kind of training center you want to have. What is the curriculum for the home? Because if our society is going to be peaceful, it hangs on the home. Teachers will tell you, the troublesome students, there's always some question about the home. There's always some question about the home. Sometimes you can really have a father and mother present, but they are not doing the training. Because probably they themselves were not properly parented. So they don't know how to do it. And so the children can be in the home. It's a disaster when we have only one parent present. But if that parent is disciplined enough and has training, they can raise a solid child. Hallelujah. And sometimes when we have both and the discipline is there and the training is there, they can raise a solid home. But there are, there are times when you have got both present and they both don't know how to do anything. They only know how to produce them. But they don't have the curriculum on how to train them. But the scripture from the scriptures we see tells us it is the responsibility of the parent to train the child in the way they must go. That means you must know the way they must go. And we must be intentional about creating that atmosphere. A child and a couple can grow in an atmosphere of violence and toxicity. Where there's the whole system is poisonous. You don't want to come home after work. Because it's a very, very hostile environment. Husbands and wives, may God help you to organize yourself in the name of Jesus. So the home is a training center and you must have curriculum 
that covers both spiritual training, physical training, moral training, and every other good thing that you need to give that child. Many times we expect things from the children we haven't taught them. You can't discipline someone that you have not given prior instructions to. It doesn't make sense. And most of the time, that is our approach. We want them to do something, and we haven't told them about it. But we are demanding it. Because maybe we knew it, but we have not been able to properly pass it on. May God help you to be able to be a teacher. In Jesus' name. Because some of us who have been to school to the highest level, we have also seen lecturers and professors whose books we have read, but when they stand to lecture us, we just don't like it because they don't know how to impart the knowledge. They know how to gather the knowledge. They have a day alone, they can put it in a book. But if they have to stand there and impart it, it doesn't work. So we avoid their lectures. Because it's boring. You're standing there, you're not getting If I read a book, I get more understanding than the man standing there. Because he doesn't have the skill. And that's why at a point in time, we need to have the skill in how to impart the knowledge in Jesus' name. So the home is a training center and there must be spiritual training. Spiritual training. If we want to have a godly home, we must be intentional about equipping the children with spiritual training. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and the verse number 5, it says, I remember Paul the apostle was writing to his spiritual son Timothy and said, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the same faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. It means grandma and mom passed this on, faith to Timothy. Faith in God was passed on. It means that it can be passed on in Jesus' name. And most of the time, good training is not just what we say, but what we do. You model what you want them to see. You can't tell them not to smoke and you are smoking. And actually you are sending them to go and buy the thing. It will work. It didn't work for some of our uncles and some of our fathers. It didn't work for them. It didn't work for them. I remember an uncle who used to tell me, don't, don't drink alcohol at all. Do you understand? And moments later he would tell me, hey, go to the place and get it from him. Buy half quarter. Full. <laughs> go to the blue place and be asking me to, you say I shouldn't touch it, but you are buying it. You see, as a child, I'll be very curious. I'll be very curious why you are telling me not to touch the thing, but you are touching it. So that was not a good example. That was not a good example. So the Bible says, we can teach faith. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. It's not enough to take them and bring them to church. You must be the one also teaching them about that. That means that you must be you must be aware of certain things. You must school yourself in the word of God. You must allow the word of God to affect you. Because I found out in life that when the home is godly and the children are godly and they have a fear of God, they can't harm people. Because that fear of God will be an umpire over them. And they can't also be wicked to you in your latter end because they have a fear of God. The scripture says, whatsoever a man will sow, he will reap it. May God help us. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So these instructions were first and foremost to be observed by the adults. Then it says, when you have satisfied that, you move to the next level. You see, anytime God is talking, he's talking from these two fronts. He's talking to parents and then he's concerned about the next generation. Then he says, repeat them again and again to your children. King James says, teach them diligently to your children. See, he didn't say that there were priests here. There is Moses himself here talking. And yet the instruction didn't say, Moses shall teach your children. He said, your parents shall teach your children diligently, diligently, again and again. Talk about it when you are on the road. When you are in the car, parent, with the children there, who do you talk about? The other lady whose shoe was not proper, or whose shirt and, and dress didn't match her. See, if you sit in a car with children and you gossip about others, that's what you are teaching them. And they get to know people's stuff. And sometimes people go and, the children know how to create problems for a parent. Because they meet that adult and say, ah, my mother said that the other day. <laughs> and you see that you are in a very beautiful suit. <laughs> Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. He says, talk about the commandments of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Talk about them. That means the parents must know the word of God. Church, we should not just bring them to church. We should also be teaching them the word. At least what you know, start with them. In Jesus' name. Start with them with what you know. Start with them. Church will augment it, but start it. Be the one to talk about it. Let them create the atmosphere by which they can ask you the questions. Even if you don't know, you'll be able to say to this very one, when we get to church, I will ask pastor for you. At least you are creating the rapport and the environment that they can run to you and you'll be the one to teach them the word of God. Hallelujah. Because when we put the word in them, Bible says, Paul said of Timothy, I know the genuine faith that is in you. It was first in your grandmother and I locate the same thing in your mother and I'm seeing it in you. It means it can be passed on. May we be able to do the same. That one day someone could look at our children and say, I see that faith in your mother. I see that faith in your father. And I see it also going on in the name of Jesus Christ. And Timothy became a useful vessel in the hands of God. Not only in the hands of God, but even to, to Paul himself. And he ended up becoming the first bishop of the church in Ephesus. And he was the youngest bishop from a biblical standpoint. He was the very youngest. But he had great faith in him. He faced persecution, but his faith taught him to go through. He says, talk about them when you are at home. When you are on the road. When you are getting up. Every aspect of our lives should be very, very educational. We, we are an institution. Parents are an institution. Amen. And he says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Because the scripture says in 
Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on them day and night and see to it that you observe all that is written therein. And it says, it is in that process you will make your way prosperous and have good success. When God says there's something called good success, it means success alone is not enough. There is something called good success. God is always raising the bar. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. He didn't stop there. That you might have it more abundantly. The scripture says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think of. This is not play of words. This is progression of blessings. There's always a higher dimension in God. May you not labor in vain as a parent in the name of Jesus. And it is hard work to create such a home. It is hard work. Just like every institution, there will be stubborn ones, stubborn students. They are your children, but they are your students too. Amen. And the way to handle stubborn students is to be patient with them. Praise God. Be patient with them. And continue to pray to the God who gave them to you, to his father. If you were in my shoes, how would you handle this one? Amen. And the God who created them and put all those things in them knows how to create circumstances by which and give you wisdom by which you'll be able to handle that one. Never give up on any one of them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Sometimes the most difficult ones turns out to be better when we are patient with them. Hallelujah. And sometimes it becomes difficult because the reality is that we are actually fighting or dealing with ourselves. That very one has taken every bit of your temperament. That's the one you are dealing with. So sometimes you have to go to God and say, Father, help me to know how to deal with me because this is the one that I have brought this one standing there, among the lot, this one alone. When it's everybody go to bed, that's the one only we can boldly come to you and say, I am not sleeping. <laughs> can walk you do all the things. What is going on here? <laughs> you have to ask the Lord for wisdom in Jesus' name. Sometimes experienced teachers are able to identify some of those ones in the class and have a way of pulling you for extra lessons and helping you to get it right. And standing in until something good comes out of the person. And one of the things that we realize is that in the end, some of these teachers that some of us were growing up and we had this very, very nature. Very, very troublesome in the class sometimes. And very, can move quickly and be very mischievous. It's looks like because you understand what is taught, you want to disturb the whole class. Now sometimes it's not that there's anything bad, but just that the person just likes creating trouble a little bit. So you just disturb the class. And when the teacher looks that direction, because of the way God has constructed you to just quickly hurry. They can't find who created this class. Then you sit down innocently. And because you're so innocent, even when they are pointing at you, the teacher doesn't believe. Doesn't believe it. It, it can't be him. <laughs> it can't be him. But may God help us. But we have teachers like that who disciplined us and were very firm and tough. And in the end, when we grew up, we look back. And among the teachers, they are the ones we want to honor. Sometimes on the old students' platform, we are always talking about the teacher who was hard. The one who gave us ten lashes at the back. Yeah, he disturbed the whole class. He disturbed the whole block. This teacher, we fear him. He came all the way. Every class was about 40 students. He lashed everyone ten. Everybody was crying. When he got to my turn, I just stood there. Then he asked me, are you an ever? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Fear, fear gripped him. <laughs> he didn't know that my father has been giving me that already. So this was, I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> my father has been lifting the cane. He always quote that scripture. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Come here. Baby, the cotton machine. There's people, one, two, three, four, five. So you have warmed up already before you go to secondary school. What is cane? I don't fear it. I just stood there. Then he's asking whether I'm an ever. I'm not. Since then, we became close. <laughs> he still didn't believe that I was a guy. He believes I came from a particular region. Yeah, you don't touch people anyhow. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Amen. So, may you learn to impart the knowledge in Jesus' name. Spiritual training is important. Spiritual training. And not only that, in the training, many times we have read that scripture, but we have left one important thing. The Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 to 7. Remember that when you are reading your scriptures, it doesn't stop somewhere. It's flowing. The teaching is inside. Check the context. Many times we have just stopped at train a child the way you should go. And one of the ways to train up the child is in verse 7. It says, train up the child the way they should go. When they grow older, they will not depart. Then he moves on to say, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. He took the child not to be a borrower. If he borrows, he must borrow with a reason. He's teaching them how to make wealth as well. It is the duty of parents to teach that. He's teaching the child. You will be a servant to the lender. You'll be a servant to the one who lends anything to you. They will call the shots. They will determine how long it will be. They will control your life completely. So learn to raise things for yourself. Even if you borrow anything, you must know wise investment. So as to yield your returns quickly, pay up the capital. And these things must be taught a child at home. Praise God. It must be. And it includes also understanding the principles of giving and being blessed. Because if you want to be blessed also, giving according to the word of God is also one of the principles. We must teach children how to give to God cheerfully. Amen. Praise God. That's why it's good to give them notes to give and not just coins. Otherwise, they grow thinking the only offering you give to God, it must be a coin. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that, so you are teaching them not to admire poverty. There's nothing to be admired about poverty. Poverty is not good. Poverty must die. In Jesus' name. Tell somebody, poverty must die. We also must provide academic training. You are not a school, but you are an institution. You can create the platform for the children to learn how to sit down and read their books. At a certain age, read to them. A reading child will become a leading child. It is said that when you stop reading, you stop leading. So encourage them to read. Start reading with them at a certain age. At an early age, read to them. Read to them. Let it become the practice. Read to them. Let them love to read books. Let them love to read. Teach them. Create the awareness. Create the excitement about it. Because the more they read, they will become very great. 
as far as the academic life is concerned. It's always a time-tested principle. If a child knows how to read and loves reading, they'll go very far. They'll go very far. So please, don't labor in vain. The home is an institution. You create the atmosphere. Lovingly create the atmosphere. Don't make it look like slave master, slave. You must read. No, start it from a point where you draw them in and they begin to love it. Hallelujah. Amen. So provide the training academically. Watch them. See where their strengths are and fit in. Take every feedback you get from teachers very seriously. Sometimes they will, the, the feedback is not what you want to hear. And you may be tempted to think these people are just being racist. Every time they are picking on my son. Whatever be the case, just pick what they are saying and act on it. Because children know how to play nice before you and after you have left. It's a something else. It's something else. My parents never believed the teachers. Because it was more confusing because academically you are blessed with intelligence. So you are on top of the class. But then they are saying that he disturbs the class. It doesn't match, isn't it? Those who disturb the class are the ones who don't do well too. So it confuses, but my father believed them. Mommy didn't believe them, but my father believes because I believe he believes that he has produced himself. Amen. But whenever you detect their weakness, find a solution. If you need an extra classes, let's find it for them. In Jesus' name. Church, as I always say, they are yours. And they don't belong to anyone else. They are your family members. Your spouse is related to you by a legal document. And by love that you affirm for one another. But the children that come from you, when you take a blood sample of them, you see these are your own. They carry your genes. They, they are your family members. Your husband or your wife, they are not your family members. They became family members by reason of legal arrangements and affirmation of love. But those ones, you can't divorce them. That's why you can divorce one another, but you can't divorce a child. That's why you, don't, you no longer want to see that man's face. But because of that child, you will meet some child. You see what I'm talking about? Because, because he too, he has a stake. And she too has a stake. You see, because that one alone, that child alone, both of you is your family member. May God help us. That is why, because it is yours, put in everything you must put in. When the opportunity is there, when the opportunity is there, put in everything. When you have the opportunity, bless them with it. If you are blessed with a lot of money and you want to take them to private school, take them or take them. Don't let anybody talk you down. Take them there. If you have the money, but if you don't have it and you go and stretch yourself, that will be up to you too. Amen. But there are different kinds of people you meet at those levels. And it forms a pack of wealth of strategic relationships for the future. Because your network is your net worth. Quote me on that. Your network is your net worth. Hallelujah. Are you being blessed this morning? Teach them moral etiquettes. Let them how to say, teach them how to say please and thank you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Teach them all these principles of how to meet adults and greet them. 
They won't learn it by default. It must come from the training center called home. And that's why there are certain things that when you don't know yourself, you too, you will learn it quickly. Expose yourself to some books on parenting and start reading. Everyone don't come from the same place. But we end up failing because sometimes our parents that gave birth to us also didn't know how to actually parent us. So they just produced us and none of them have ever attended your parents' uh, evening or anything. It was not part of their curriculum. They too, they have you, oh, you really, you went. That's why there are some fathers, they don't even know which state their child is. Until one day they start asking, are you not going to school? I finished my GCS. I finished three months ago. They don't know. He's rather angry that you're not going to school. He's fighting you. He has no record, doesn't know where you are, which station you are. <laughs> I've dealt with cases like that. Amen. I've dealt with cases like that. One day a man told me, he said, it's, I know it's time for my daughter's wedding. <clears throat> I understand you have to take her in for me. I'm around, uh, but I've been told I should take her in, but I realized I left my responsibilities. You took it for me. It will be proper for you to actually hold her hand and give her away. The man admitted it. Because he has not been there. <laughs> he has not been there at all. Even though family was creating the opposition, he himself said that. I don't think I deserve it. The point is that you don't even have a relationship with the daughter. May God help us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Work ethics. Teach them work ethics. Teach them to understand. Nothing comes by shortcuts. <clears throat> Teach them how to wake up early. Sometimes waking up early, they, especially in this generation we live in. They don't sleep early. They have a friend on the phone or the iPad. You have to be a very tough head teacher and take those gadgets from them. Depending on their age too. At a certain point, they get to a place that they did create their own password. and they are not, Now they can hand the thing over to you. You take it. You will see anything. You need word of knowledge now to be able to decode the password. But when we have built the solid foundation, when they get to that point, we don't have a challenge. Amen. Because trust is built. May the Lord help us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So as parents, we just have a short window to have a lifelong influence on our children. We have a very short window. We have a very short window. To make a lifelong impact on them. If you have them now, they are under 15, please do some work now. Because when they hit above 15, it's another level. You need you need PhD degree to handle them at that level. You need PhD parenting to move to the level. But if we have been doing it well, we will understand the different phases of relating with the children. There is a phase, another time when I'm teaching on relationship, we'll come there. My time is getting close because of the time I settle myself once more. But there are different phases of the relationship. There's a child, there's a time there are children that you're actually laughing with them and crying with them and singing for them. And there's a time that you become an instructor into their lives. And there's another stage where you actually reason with them. When you miss these levels and you want to instruct when you should be reasoning, you are going to have a rebellion. And that's what says, oh, what's going on here? Yes, because you have missed the sequence. And it goes on to a certain age where they now become friends. 
though they are our children, but now we reason together with them. We do certain things. We consult them and say, what do you think about it? So we teach them faith. Sometimes it's not only the theoretical teaching that have faith in God, but when there's a challenge, you can hold hands with them as young as they are and say, let's pray. This is the challenge. Sometimes there are things you need to explain. And I tell you, much as it will not be very good for them, it will help them to understand why what is going on is going on. If they have to go somewhere and suddenly there's no money at all, sit them down nicely and say, you know what? I really wanted you to go to this, but we don't have what it is. If we have the money, we will let you go. But, but if we let you go now, we will not be able to pay our rent. And the bank may come for this house. You know, when you sit down and explain to a child and offer them hope for the future, they will believe that the next time they will be able to make the next thing. Every situation, sit them down and explain. At a very early age, explain certain things to them. When I realized the nature of my ministry would demand a lot of travel, whether they were two years old or not, I sit them down and say, I'm about to travel. You will not see me for three weeks. Stay with mommy, you'll be fine. Now, whether they understand it or not, and I did that over the years. It has been part of me. And that's very, very important. Learn to explain. Don't assume they get it. Because they emotionally become troubled, but you can't see it. The only consequence is that you start getting reports from school that they are hitting people and they are doing some strange things. And you wonder what is going on. They, they, what they are struggling with at home is what they are manifesting at school. May God help us. In Jesus' name. So teach them. This is a short time that you have to impact them in a particular way. You know, there's a season there won't be those babies that you carry around and sing to. They'll be very mature. And there'll be a time they walk out of the home. Not in rebellion, but they are moving on. They are moving on. You find out that the whole five bedroom, you are, you are two inside now. said Adam and Eve situation. You revert to Adam and Eve without Cain and Abel and they are all gone. Seth, they have all gone. They've married and gone. And the house, and then sometimes you wonder, so what is all this noise we are making about a big house? If there's a time to love them, love them now. If there's a time to sing for them, sing for them now. There's a time to build this relationship in the name of Jesus. It creates a healthy home that they will be looking forward to coming back to all the time. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Teach them work ethics. Teach them the good old-fashioned work ethics. And they will learn to do it for themselves. Teach them to learn how to clean things. Don't do everything for them at a certain time. They won't learn how to do it. I'm a stickler for order and discipline. I don't like disorder. I don't like clothes on the floor. Those things I don't like. Sometimes you see them do that. Many times I will take it, but now I don't take it. I say, have you seen it there? The next time I see it there, you won't find it again. Because when I take it, it's not coming back to your room. It's getting into the bin. It means you don't like it. That's why you put it there. Say, no, 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 I like it. Then take it there. It's not going to be there. And that is the discipline I put in. So now when they find something, oh, yeah. <laughs> when they know I'm coming to the room, they don't start locking it. I say, if I enter there and I see what my eye must not see, I will arrange them myself. And they are not coming back into the room. <laughs> It is one of the ways because you have done it. For the, when you do it continuously, they will learn how to do it. So when they get their own home, they will know how to manage it. In Jesus' name. 
Just teach them how to use the washing machine. Don't think they're going to injure themselves. Show them how to do it. We climbed trees. We didn't fall down. <laughs> Praise God. And sometimes the way to train is not only what you say, but giving them exposure. Take them somewhere. Maybe this is, you see one of them has a, a desire in a particular career. Can you take him to that museum? You know, sightseeing, site visitation, take them somewhere. Let them have that exposure. It gives them a mental picture of where they are going. One of them wants to be an architect. Take them to an architect, a place where they are architects. Let them see it at that age. It puts something in them. They want to be doctors, take them to the hospital. Not for sickness, but at least make an arrangement. Let them see how some things go on. Research, see certain places where they create all this environment and you can have that done. Exposure has a very powerful way of ministering training to a child. And those children remain grateful forever in the mighty name of Jesus. So give them exposure sometimes to positive families. Families that you want them to emulate, take them there, let them visit let them see how some things are done. Hallelujah. Expose them to role models. And above all, take them on holidays too. In Jesus' name. There are churches where they don't encourage their members to go on holiday. Because they want to see them every time. Much as we believe that people should be in church, we also believe that people must also live life. Hallelujah. Don't work and work and work and work and work and work and work. Typical African disease. Work and work and work and work and work and work and work. No holiday. When I told them, I said, what I'm seeing, if you don't stop it and take a break or a holiday, you may fall down dead. So, Pastor, are you? I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not a negative prophet. I'm looking at you from both spiritual and medical eye. You need a break. You'll not be able to enjoy what you are working for. <clears throat> you know, we work hard and work hard and work hard and work hard and, and we are not there for the children. We are working. For who? So who, you, you won't take any rest? He said, no, but Pastor, you know, I don't have visa. I don't have my documents. I said, come what you need visa to do. Someone said, Lake District, you need visa to go. You don't need visa to go to Wales. I said, even if you can't go to this London called London, you yourself, have you explored every part of London? People travel from America to come and watch things in London. Go and book a hotel in Central London and stay there and feel the atmosphere a little bit. Get up and watch the houses of parliament. Watch it and say, what human beings created this Yes. Just look at the outside, the, the design outside. Watch it, it will heal you. Take your family on a walk. After we have finished prayer, the weekends, what do you do? Just lie in bed, lie in bed, lie in bed. You have worked, the children don't have any connection with you. You send them to a stranger on the phone and on the iPad. Take them on a walk. Let them remember you walked with them. Create the memories. They heal. They are very therapeutic. You don't need to go for too long, but you can still take a little break. You can go on a Wednesday and come back on a Friday. It's like, I mean, nothing will change. If you die today, your job position will be advertised. Your company will advertise. They'll just send our condolences. That's it. But they will be actively advertising. 
create the atmosphere for the whole. In Jesus' name. An atmosphere of peace, love, and trust. And one of the ways, before I leave you tonight, today, is deal quickly with every source of conflict. If we are to create a loving home, deal quickly with every source of conflict. Deal quickly with it. Because we are individuals that got married, we will have differences. It doesn't mean we are not meant for each other. The existence of disagreement in a relationship is not an indication that you are not for each other. It's an indication that you are being real to each other. It's an indication that the days of pretense are over. That you are you. Amen. Yeah. When you are dating and you want the thing to come and say, when he was annoying you, you don't fight back. Yes, I'm master. Yes, I'm master. Yes, I'm master relationship is not loving. We have to work out our difference in Jesus' name. And the Bible tells us that a soft answer turns away anger. But grievous words stir up the anger. We will offend each other, but soft answers will turn away the anger. But when it's talking, you are talking, it will annoy the other person. And brother, no matter how quick her tongue goes, don't use your hand. Amen. If you don't know how to use your words, to you, you walk away. Walk away a little bit. It will help you. Hallelujah. Grievous words stir up the anger. And the Bible says that the tongue of the wise uses knowledge in a right way. So you may have some information about him or something you don't know, but use the knowledge in a right way in presenting your grievance. The scripture says soft words turn away the anger. The, the, the motive for you raising the issue is solution. Hallelujah. The aim of every argument in the relationship and the home should be progress, not political point scoring. It's not a debate we are having that I have won. Did the marriage win? Amen. So a soft answer. Bible says in Proverbs 20 verse 3, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Hey, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 3, New Living Translation Version. I love that one so much. It says, since any fool can start a quarrel, please don't be any fool. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Learn to drop mothers quickly. Amen. Let's resolve the issue and move forward. Because the cold war will not help the whole. In Jesus' name. The cold war will not help the whole. It will not help anyone. It will not help the family. It will not help yourself. In Jesus' name. So whenever anything happens, please, as the scripture says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Solve it. Raise the matter. I don't want to talk to me about it. I don't want to talk to you. Please talk to him. Talk to her about it. Raise the matter. And it's the approach which is key. Amen. Sometimes the cause may be an in-law. It may be mother-in-law, brother-in-law. They are the ones that are 
stirring up the anger in you. Don't approach them directly. Go to them through their child. Amen. If it's your mother-in-law who is really has come on a visit or she's causing some trouble, you just never confront her directly. Approach her through the son. Approach her through the daughter. Amen. They, they, have, they have experience of dealing with them all these years. So there are certain things, it won't be a problem. But for you, even if it's an innocent statement, it will be taken and sent to the Sanhedrin in a different way. Hallelujah. Proverbs 27, 15 to 16. The New Living Translation says, A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. When there's oil in your hands and you're trying to hold something, it's not holding. The Bible says a quarrelsome wife is like that. I believe a quarrelsome husband too is like that. There are some men too, they are very, very quarrelsome. They don't let matters die. Even when there is apology, they still hold on to, what are you looking for, brother? Calm down, that high and lofty one, calm down. As the girls will say, Bojomo, Bojomo. Just, just loosen up a little. Loosen, relax. What is it? I won't talk to her again. Hey, there is a time coming where you won't be able to talk anyway. For a very long time until Jesus comes. You'll be buried and you'll not be able to talk. So talk now. Amen. Talk, talk to people. Relate with people. And finally, to all those that belong to the constituency called children, this is a word for you. Respect your parents. Amen. In a loving home, respect thrives. Proverbs 27, verse 11. It says, my son or my child, be wise and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics. Hallelujah. My son or my child, be wise and make my heart glad. Be wise. Follow the instruction. Listen, every instruction your father or mother is giving you, it is in your, it's going to be in your interest. Majority of the case is going to be in your interest. He says, and make my heart glad. Get the thing done. Get the results in. Get the grades. Conduct yourself properly. Marry properly. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. He says, so that I will answer him who reproaches me. Whatever seed we sow, we will reap it. If one day we want to be parents that our children will respect us, let's respect our parents. It's a seed we are sowing. So when it gets to our turn, our children don't treat us that way. In Jesus' name. But decide from today to make your parents glad. Hallelujah. And one of the things that makes a parent glad is if you observe directions that they give you, instructions that they give you, the discipline they try to put into you. It's all in your interest. Even when you disagree, don't be rude in the disagreement. Find a way to seek their consent. Respectfully to say, Dad, this is what I thought, Dad. And you are saying this. Yeah. It doesn't suit well with me. And maybe help me further to understand. And rather than being defiant and rebellious and going ahead to do what you want to do anyway, may God help us in the name of Jesus. When we play our role as children, we help our parents to also help us to create that loving and caring home in the mighty name of Jesus. May rudeness and stubbornness be far away from us. And may we have the grace as parents to continue to pursue even the most difficult child and they will get it right. Sometimes it is the approach 
May God help us not to confront but to approach in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's not treat them as if they are age mates and we are quarreling with them. No, take a higher ground in Jesus' name. I believe you have been blessed this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, shall we all begin to pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. grateful Lord Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Help us to create such a hope in the name of Jesus. Give us wisdom not to create a toxic hope of constant disagreement but the wisdom Lord to learn to resolve issues. Go straight to handle and tackle the issues without being abusive. Give us the wisdom in the name of Jesus to raise up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Help us not to waste the opportunity that you have given to us in their lives today. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. a child to the Lord. The scripture teaches us that children are dedicated to the Lord. The Bible teaches us that when the Lord Jesus was born, he was dedicated to the Lord. Thirty days after his birth, he was taken to the temple and dedicated. Luke chapter 1. There was a prophecy about his birth. Luke chapter 2. He was born and dedicated. Luke chapter 3, when he was 30 years old, he offered himself to be baptized in water by immersion. 
So if Christ is our model, children are not baptized. They are dedicated to him. Dedication is to change ownership. Dedication is to spiritually create an atmosphere in which the mark of God is upon a person or a place or an entity. And that means that spirit being actually owns, has the ownership of that person or child or place. And so the Bible tells us that when God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, the scripture says that when he built it and it was dedicated with oil and blood, the presence of God took habitation in that wooden box called the Ark of Covenant. Anywhere they took it, the presence of God was with it. So when we dedicate, we invoke the presence of God upon a thing or a person. And throughout the scriptures, we see that as well. When David could not build, he bought a lot of things that are necessary for the, the building of the temple. And Solomon dedicated them to the Lord. And the Bible says that one day when King Nebuchadnezzar came and took over Israel, they also took these dedicated equipment and vessels and brought them to Babylon. He, as Nebuchadnezzar, did not mess about with them. But the Bible tells us that his son Belshazzar, after the death of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar, came to the throne in Daniel chapter 5. And one night he was drinking with his concubines and girlfriends and decided that they would drink from those holy things that had been brought from Jerusalem. And that night, the owner wrote on the wall. So you can play with things, but this one has been dedicated to me. You took it from Jerusalem. This is Babylon. Babylon today is Iran, Iraq. And from Israel, where it is located, where Jerusalem has been, Jerusalem has still been there. That distance, the owner followed his thing to Babylon. Until you mess about with, it, with that, he will act. Amen. And so it is very important to dedicate children to the Lord.